Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast with your host, Brian Eisenhower. This podcast is brought to you by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC provides customized and structured coaching and training programs for real estate agents and team leaders, representing many of the top producing agents in North America. ICC also offers broker and owner consulting on agents recruiting, training, and retention. For more info, visit EisenhowerCoaching.com or find us on Facebook. The least successful people have the lowest amount of expenses. They're cost sensitive. So they look and their production's always the same. They're stagnant. They're not making any change. The change has to come with dollars. It's not going to just come with your brain. So I want to start the conversation up off here by showing you a production growth budget that you're going to get to see as well. Now you can see this real estate team production growth budget schedule, okay? And I wanna explain this to you and this gets a little bit boring, but this, this, this page is gonna answer all your questions about real estate teams if you learn how to read the numbers, which I'm gonna teach you. So it answers questions on when should I start a team? How should I compensate members of my team? It answers how much I should be spending on different aspects of my real estate business. All of those answers are on here. So as a coach, I direct so many of my clients to this page before I answer their question. And I use this page to actually explain the answer. To me, it's the most important page when understanding real estate, team growth, organizational structure, compensation schedules, job descriptions, you start here. It all starts right here. Now, this is a fillable form that I'm gonna to give to you. And you can actually fill in these forms for your own numbers to see where you're at. And then you can kind of compare them to these columns, okay? So each one of these columns runs vertically and you can see, am I an agent or a team that earns 240,000 in GCI or 8 million? To me, you need to get to this column before you should start thinking too seriously about formation of a team. Now you might think about joining a team, okay, and then, then you don't need to be here obviously, but if you're gonna form one, it isn't until this column that you really start having enough overflow business where you get too busy that you can provide enough business, enough leads, give them away to members of your team because you don't start a team for them to bring you business alone. They come to you because they would, you know, they want to start or they want to have someone give them business oftentimes. So don't, you know what I mean? They, they you know, they want some sort of security. <laughs> so leads is usually a big part of that. And there's three things that on a team that they, they, they primarily want. They want leadership, which is usually coaching, accountability, mentoring. They want administrative support contract to close help, maybe listing to contract help, marketing help, and they want leads. So as a team leader, you need to provide those things. As a member of a team, you wanna make sure you're getting those three things because it's those three. Now, most agents on teams just want the leads. They don't think they need the admin support and they don't need the leadership, but trust me, they need them very badly. They know not what they say. <laughs> That's just often the case. Make sense? So with that being said, you get to this column here. Now you could start a team earlier than this, assuming you were independently wealthy. 
You know what I mean? If you had lots of money, let's say you're married to a spouse that makes lots of money or you've inherited lots of money or you had a previous job and you've got lots of money and you want to speed up and get there in a hurry and you can actually go in the hole a little bit and start hiring some people and giving some leads away. You could certainly do it before this. Understand this operates in a vacuum as if we're trying to maximize the amount of profit as your business grows and your GCI and your total sales volume keep increasing. This is how we maximize the profit down at the bottom. And as we grow, each column takes us there. Okay. And you'll notice that gross commission income across the top, this little asterisk down here at the bottom, all percentages on this whole chart are calculated as a percentage of GCI, gross commission income. And that's the gross commission income of the entire team, not just the gross commission income that you yourself keep as the team leader. It's the entire team. It's how much gross commissions the whole team made before you pay your percentage splits out to your sales agents on your team. Okay. That's why we call it gross commission income, not net commission income. It's before any splits are taken out of it. It's even before you pay your brokerage, their split makes sense. It's the gross amount of all your commission checks before anybody was paid a chunk out of them. And that's the idea. That's GCI. That's all taken into consideration here. Okay. So for us to be able to do this, you need to calculate your GCI first. And then we're going to put that over here on the side. That's the first gray shaded row that we, that, that we need to know across to be able to move across. Now you're going to find out where your GCI is, and that's going to be the column moving vertically that we're going to pay attention to. Okay. And you might be working towards this column here. You may not be there yet. That means we're, we're going to know what we need to do to get to here. You're going to look at your column and find it based on that GCI. Then we need to calculate these three gray boxes down at the bottom. Okay. Your first one is going to be your total operating expenses. Okay. These are all of the expenses you have that are fixed that you have to pay monthly, regardless of whether you sell any real estate or not. That's an operating expense and they should never exceed 30% of your GCI. So we cap out because this is a budget after all. We put a limit that we don't get to spend any more money or hire any more people or buy any new marketing if we are at 30%. That's our cap. And you can see what that cap is depending on how much you sell. And that gets pretty big, man. You get up there into 20, 25 million, you can, you can see the top teams are holding their operating expenses. Can you imagine having 225,000 in opera? That's almost $20,000 a month you're paying out in set expenses. Depending on where you live, 25 million may not seem like that much. Can you imagine cracking that nut every month? You know, paying for that amount of marketing, paying for that amount of salaries? It's quite a bit. And that's your operating expenses. It's 30%. That in the two biggest chunks of that are going to be administrative salaries, which we cap at 12% and marketing, which we cap at 10%.
Understand if you put those two together, that's 22% of GCI, which leaves 8% for all other operating expenses. Because again, 8% plus these two, 22% puts us at our budget limit of 30% for total operating expenses. So everything else, technology, any office rent you have to pay, equipment, supplies, training and education is a big one, hiring coaches, going to different conferences, things like that. All of those other things are in that 8% number. These are your two big expenses. You always cap your marketing at 10%. You should always be spending close to 10% too, or it's gonna be very hard for you to generate enough business to move to the next column and keep growing. You see a lot of people get stuck because they ha they're obsessed with keeping their operating expenses too low. They also very rarely have the courage to hire someone and pay them every two weeks. Usually at this level, you're just paying a part-time, like a t transaction coordinator that you're paying for file. That will get people stuck and they never grow because they're not gonna do as much work as a full-time admin that's dedicated to you that's being paid every two weeks on a salary. Paying per file to a TC typically is going to be for lower producing solo agents. But the big teams, man, they got someone that, they, that does a lot more than that for them and they pay them every two weeks. So that the biggest chunk of operating expenses goes towards dedicated salaries to your prized uh, team members. You're only as good as your administrative hires. If you don't have an administrative hire, it gets very, very tough. And the reason is key. This is the biggest, this is the biggest barrier to formation of a team. It's because most agents are so cost sensitive. They'll spend money on offense here in marketing. They'll make those expenditures because they, they can see that gives them business here. They, they hate the idea of spending money. A true leader would, you know, is going to, is going to know to do this. They're going to spend money so that the team leader and their agents can focus and sell more real estate because they don't have to handle their own administrative duties. Top agents, top team leaders know this is the most important hire they make. It's the most expensive hire you do. That's the difference. You don't pay a transaction coordinator per file. You bring someone on, put them on a salary and go. A lot of people don't have the stomach for that. So they get stuck in solo agent land forever. Now, that's your total operating expenses. They equal 30%. Again, the biggest bulk of that is right here. So you can almost always tell if you know how much you're paying in administrative salaries and marketing and lead gen, you can get a pretty good handle on the on at least two thirds, over two thirds of your operating expenses. Your other big expense is right here. It's the third of the gray areas. We need to know four numbers to look at you in budget. And this is the third of the fourth. It's your cost of sales. It's your other big expense. This is your cost of goods sold. We call it cost of sales because we don't sell goods in real estate. We sell services. So we call those a cost of sales. Okay. The way this works, very, very simple. It's any expense that's taken out of a commission check. Okay. So it's what you pay your brokerage out of a commission check. It's what gets deducted. If you have buyer's agents, you're going to pay your buyer's agents. Let's say a 50% split. If you have to pay a referral fee that comes out of a commission check, that would be a cost of sale too. That's so that believe it or not, that's why we, we take into consent consideration your gross commission income out here and what we pay to your brokerage to agents on your team for their percentages are a cost of sale. So that 
is the expense. And only after that would we know what our net commission income is. Okay. I don't need to know that number, but I do need to know your cost of sale. And you'll notice with cost of sales, the percentage you pay goes up as you sell more real estate. Everybody see that? Now the, so you pay more cost of sales as you sell more and the, per, the chunk of your commission check gets bigger and bigger. It's almost like, oh, wow. I don't like that program because if my team keeps growing out here further on down the road, I'm going to be paying a higher and higher percentage. just like a diminishing return. And that is true. And here's why. I'll stop sharing for a minute to give you a break so you can look at, you can take a, you can take a look at my stubble. Here's the reason why. As your team grows, you, the percentage of production that's going to come from you is going to go down because you're going to get, you're going to be growing. You're going to need more and more agents. So an increasing number of the production and sales is actually going to come from your other agents. Your little production is going to get smaller and smaller by comparison because you're bringing on more and more agents. They're going to be doing more of the work. You're going to be doing less of the work as a result. And that's the idea. Yes, we're going to be using more of their income and they're going to make more, but so are you. And you're also going to be working less too, which is the idea anytime you start a business <laughs> is to, in, to earn more income while freeing yourself up for more personal time. That's what happens when you take risks like hiring people and bringing on other agents down here. And here's how you see that. You see that down in the fourth column, we got to calculate your net income. Okay. And that's to start this. We got to know these three things. If we're going to assess an agent's budget to know if we should be spending more, if we should be hiring more, if we're keeping enough income, we need to know these four numbers. We know your total operating expenses should be capped at 30%. We know your gross commission income, whatever it is, that's the column we look at. And we can, we know that what your operating expenses should be because they should always be capped at 30. Your cost of sales, well, that depends what column you're in, is how much you should be paying out to your brokerage and your other agents to see if you're paying your agents too much. See what I'm saying? Net income is actually the only number that, or the only column that takes into consideration both your operating expenses and your cost of sales. And you'll notice the same thing here, this law of diminishing returns. Your profit margin is this percentage here. This is your profit margin. And notice your profit margin is always going down as you move to the right. But the dollar amount, the amount you keep, is always going up. And the reason for that is actually the same reason I just explained above here. It's because more and more of the production is being done by other agents on your team than you. So the amount of percentage that you keep of each commission check goes down, but because you're growing the number of agents, and the number of sales, the dollar amount keeps going up steadily. And this is a really important thing to remember. And I'll stop that share again to kind of explain it to you guys. This is true in all business. The more successful the person, the lower the margin. 
And a lot of people don't get that because not everybody goes to business school. So they, they, they don't realize most low producers don't, they're so concerned with increasing their costs, they want to keep their costs down. So they get stuck and they can never move forever. That's why most agents like on my top real estate teams make a lot more money than solo agents floating around on their own. Why? I don't ever want to go on that team. They're going to put me on a 50-50 split. Yeah, but you know, they're making $250,000 on a 50-50 split. <laughs> You're making $30,000 because you sold two houses on a much higher split as a solo agent. They don't understand that there is a cost that you have to invest to grow in. Same with as a team leader. They get stuck. They don't want to pay these marketing expenses or these admin expenses. They don't want to give away a lot of their overflow leads because they don't want to give away, let's say 50% to a buyer's agent as a cost of sale. They want to try to keep it all themselves. So when they start doing that, they can they, they, they hit a ceiling of production they can only hit before they get too busy. And that usually gets hit in spring and summer, right around the corner. And at the same time, what ends up happening is they don't get any more personal life balance. They get stuck on that too. So they just get stagnant. What the top leaders know is that the goal is to actually reduce your margin and make income go up at the same time. And that's true in any industry. The top leaders know that part of the goal with growth, so long as your goal is to increase income and increase the amount of free time, personal time you have, that they the goal that part of that has to come with a reduction of your profit margin. So let's take a really successful person, um, Elon Musk. Let's say he makes a billion dollars a year. He probably makes more than that, but let's just say he makes a billion dollars a year. That's because his income, let's say, generates 101 billion a year, but he's got expenses of 100 billion a year. Well, he's got less than a 1% profit margin, but because he has the courage to have 100 billion in expenses every year, the guy makes a billion dollars a year and he's got a lot of free time to like buy Twitter, fly in space, do all this crazy stuff, right? The guy makes a billion bucks. Bill Gates, same deal. He's got all these expenses, you know, with Microsoft. I mean, guy's a huge corporation. He's got tons of expenses. So the margin's real small, real small because he's got a lot of profit too, but the margin's tiny. He's, he's had the courage to increase all those expenses. And that's true in real estate. If you look at the lowest producers, they tend to be at the 100% brokerages. They go to places where it's like you can sell for 100% discount brokerages. They sell one or two deals a year. God love them. That's all they sell. They usually have another full-time job. They want to get every penny of that. And the top agents are not at those brokerages. The top agents tend to be at the big names where they're paying splits. They understand it's important to invest in their business and they keep selling. And you'll see top, same reason you see a lot of high producing agents that make a lot of money on teams too. They understand that. Or you'll see to the top teams actually, as opposed to low producing teams, they understand the important investing in their business. So they literally will have strong admin support. They really will buy a lot of marketing and lead generation activity to stay ahead of their agents and provide true value. They'll invest in their education. They hire coaches. They go to real estate conferences and spend money to get there. They invest in their business. So their expenses 
are up to par. The least successful people have the lowest amount of expenses. They're cost sensitive. So they go nowhere. They, they look back and they say, I, I, you know, I, I admire all those things and you should do all those things. But then when they look at their own bottom line, they don't do them themselves. So they look and their production's always the same. They're stagnant. They're not making any change. The change has to come with dollars. It's not going to just come with your brain. And if you can't do it on your own, then freaking hire a coach. That's why I'm in the business. And just have someone make you do it. Because we as coaches, I'll tell you right now, that's what we do is we force people, I mean, you know, to either A, do a lead generation activity, B, spend money, both of which are uncomfortable <laughs> in different ways. And that's what we make our clients do, is we insist that they spend the money. And that's how it works. So let me show you this. You can see over time, in theory, if you've got a real estate team that's up to 80 million, where you're generating 2.4 million in gross commission income, if this keeps going out to the right, which it easily can, this 35% is going to go down because, you know, let's say that it takes 20 agents on your real estate team or 10 agents, I don't know, to do this number, let's say 10 agents. If you get 20 agents, this number might go all the way down to 25%. But this 840 is gonna look more like 1.5 million in net commission income or net income after all your operating expenses and after your cost of sales, because we're always capping operating at 30%. We know this might drop down to 25, or this might go up to 45 and cause this to drop to 25. But this 840,000 will probably go up to around 1.5 million if we keep working this thing out to the right. See what I'm saying? So that's the idea here is that, that profit margin's gotta keep increasing. So you've gotta be more and more comfortable with less of the commission income coming from you as the lead agent. In fact, you, oftentimes the goal is for the lead agent not to be selling at all anymore. You start moving, you know, well past the, uh, you get up to that 3 million range, depending on who you are. On average, I'd say around the 3 million range, the team leader that started the team stopped selling altogether. And that's how it works. Hope that kind of clarifies. So if I'm assessing a real estate team, when a real estate team starts joining to coach with us, that's the first thing we do is we try to find these four numbers and see where we're out of whack. And we can almost always diagnose where the problems are with the team because of it, if that makes sense. So with that being said, that's why when we first start here, this is kind of a light administrative salary. So we might have a part-time person here, or we might be paying a transaction coordinator a few hundred bucks per file. And then you can also see on here, cost of sales, we maybe at this point, don't even have a buyer's agent on the team yet. This is just a solo agent, and this might be the amount that they pay to their brokerage each year. And then as we jump up to about 390,000, now I know for a fact, we probably definitely can't do these numbers, 13,390,000 comfortably on our own, or we're gonna have very miserable spring and summers during the harvest season, depending on where you are. If you're in a high, like if your average price is $2 million, that's not necessarily the case. But if we're near the nation's home median home price of an average of, you know, let's say 400,000, 
then I think I'm probably right. Or it's very hard to do these numbers without feeling some excruciating pain about how busy you are in spring and summer. Then we're probably gonna need to bring on a buyer's agent. And now we're actually starting to give some of our buyer sides away and compensating them at let's say 50% and paying the brokerage here is a cost of sale. Now we're probably gonna need that full-time administrative assistant working for us at that point. Because we're, you know, we're probably up there in the, you know, 40, 50, 60 unit a year area when we get to this column. So now we, we brought on our first sales agent and we got our first admin, the person that's full time. Here, we're probably still a solo agent and we got maybe some part-time admin support. Here, full and we have a full-time agent helping us. So we're a team of three operating at this level. We should be, or you're gonna have a hard time getting here. You're gonna have a hard time getting to these numbers. You're certainly not gonna be able to jump to here. And I want, I don't want you to kill yourself to jump to here, or you're gonna start losing spouses. You're gonna start missing your life with your kids. You're gonna be cheating. You're gonna be staying up all night. You're gonna be one of those people. You're gonna be miserable every spring and summer. You're gonna provide bad customer service to your clients, all those types of things if you don't leverage correctly when you move from one one column to the next. That's why we follow this budget model. Okay, so with all that being said, I wanna do something here. I wanna open this up to you guys. We've got some time. Um, do you guys have any questions about real estate teams based on what I just said to you guys that you'd like to ask? What is, what is the draw or what would be the draw to a new agent that say is front, like he's work, they're working in their hometown, they know people, their SOI is fairly large, joining a team, not joining a team? Again, the draw is supposed to be threefold. I mean, it's different for everybody, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say everybody should join teams because it's better, because it's just not the case. It depends right. on you, you know? But I want you to know about them and the pros and cons. That's why I, I, I don't think, are all teams bad? Hell no, they're not bad. That's like saying all businesses are bad. But there are some that are bad, sure. <laughs> um, you know, the three things that you need to be getting, you know, in my opinion, are I mentioned. So you should be getting leads. In my opinion, you should be getting more leads than you bring to the team. So Luke, for example, if you, let's let's say Luke sells 20 houses a year. If I'm gonna be on a commission split and give a, a certain chunk of my commissions to the team, I better be getting something back, right? So I want a certain amount of leads back to make it so that I make more money than by being on the team, right? So the team's, so in theory, as a safe bet, I, that's why I was like, I've talked about it a million times, I like a matching standard where if I, Luke, am gonna bring 20 transactions to your team and you say you wanna put me on a 50% split, okay, but you better be giving me at least 20 transactions on top of my 20 okay, and maybe even some more. That way I make more by being on your team. Now in theory, your admin support better be pretty strong too because I don't wanna work twice as hard, mm -hmm. right? So your admin's gotta handle this from contract to close. So in theory, that admin's gotta handle you from contract to close or even listing to contract so that you don't have to work as much, you work a lot less and you better be giving me more transactions than I bring you if I'm on a 50-50. If you got me, you know, then there's different, you know, there's different commission structures out there. 
Maybe you put me on a 60-40 for my sphere of influence leads and a 50-50 for the leads you give me or something. In that case, you might not get, have to give me as many leads. And you'll see teams that have higher splits for their agents typically don't promise as many leads to those agents. And then it's the quality of those leads too. Do I have to hunt those leads down because they're pay-per-click leads you bought for me for $8 a lead? That's a lot of work that you're making me do for those leads. Mm -hmm. Or are they your buyer's agent? Are they your SOI leads? You know what I mean? In other words, is it like, is the, is the team leader a luxury agent that's going to give you her luxury buyers? Now that's, that's high quality leads. I like those. Okay. So what types of leads are you getting? That matters too. Is the price okay. point good? You know, like, you know, that kind of thing. Am I going to get accountability? That's big. And I know you guys don't ever want to ask for accountability because no one likes accountability. It's painful. It's holding you accountable to do stuff you don't want to do. But boy, is it very important for your success. Are there team meetings? Are they, are they making sure that we're all pushing forward? Are we growing our businesses? You know what I mean? So I've talked about the admin support, the accountability and the leads. The last thing I know is a big concern for a lot of people, Luke, and, and, and it's probably in your head somewhere is, you know, I'm a, do I do this? I'm a new agent trying to build my business. Do I really want to get absorbed into a team and lose my identity? Well, to me, a good team doesn't do that, right? Yeah. Like in theory, a good team wants to promote you to your sphere of influence and they know, let's just say, I mean, I don't have a team, but let's just pretend I do. I'm Brian Eisenhower and I want Luke to be on my team. I'm the Brian Eisenhower team but I want Luke to be on my team. I want Luke to succeed because if Luke sells more, I make more. And I know for Luke to succeed, we've got to put an emphasis on him growing his book of business. I don't want him just dependent on the leads I give him. And for me to do that, putting Brian Eisenhower all over my marketing front and foremost to brand the team is asinine because I don't know Luke's book of business and they aren't going to be receptive to marketing about Brian Eisenhower. Instead, they are going to be receptive to marketing that says Luke Davis because they have a relationship with Luke Davis. It's not spam when it comes from Luke Davis. They know Luke Davis. They like Luke Davis. If they get marketing from Brian Eisenhower, whether it's emails, mailers, social media posts, things like that, it's spammy. It's like a company. So we want to put Luke Davis's name big and have the Brian Eisenhower team very, very small. That's not going to, that's not going to involve, you know what I mean? That's like, I mean, Luke Davis, big, Keller Williams, small. Think about it. Luke Davis, big, Caldwell Banker, small. Those are other names that are small. People ignore the other names. If it's Brian Eisenhower team, small, same thing. They don't care. They don't get confused. As long as your name is big and it's your mug up there and your face up there, they don't really care what's small. So you shouldn't you lose your identity to the public if the team is allowing you to do these things. So those questions I'd ask too, is the team invested as part of their team culture and marketing mission to putting the agent out there first? Perfect, thank if you. If they are, then you shouldn't lose much. I mean, you might lose a little bit with regards to office awards. You might lose a little bit 
with regards to you know production how it's viewed in mls possibly i don't know but the public doesn't see any of that kind of junk if you're really big on walking up and getting officers sometimes you get office awards for being on teams i don't know um but you know the the team production usually goes under a team i guess most places i, I don't really know how that everybody's different on that but i don't know how hot and bothered you get about inner office awards oftentimes the team can boost your image because now you can use the teams just listed like let's say the team leader listed a five million dollar property and they let you say hey look luke davis just listed it look what we listed it makes you look like evidence of your success because you're parlaying off the team's success you can then say here's what i sold to your soi and let's say that you're i know you're not but let's say you're a brand new agent all the people in your soi know and love you but do they really trust you to sell their $5 million house? Well, they might after a year being on a team that allows you to use their marketing. If you say just listed an open house and just sold and sale pending enough time about these multi-million dollar transactions, all of a sudden your high-end people in your book of business and your sphere of influence in your SOI start to view you as someone who's very capable. In fact, you're gonna start getting high fives at them at the gym and stuff as you see these people you know, because they're gonna be like, man, you're on fire, dude. Look at all these properties you're selling. You're gonna become a rock star in their eyes because you're evidencing the team success as your own. So your identity should actually be enhanced through the team, if the team's doing it correctly. And that's the real catch. So when you're interviewing being on teams, let's make sure that they're operating correctly and that they are using this marketing to build your own book of business, your own sphere of influence within the team because a smart team leader is not gonna have their ego around branding the team. They're gonna actually know that for these agents to succeed and generate business from their own spheres of influence, that we should be building them up with their own books of business. Because marketing the team to a bunch of people that have a relationship with their agents is silly, that's spamming. Boosting the team up shows value. And then what's gonna happen is all the other agents in the MLS are gonna say, man, every time people go on that team, look at how they blow up. I see it all over social media. Luke's selling everything. Guess what that does? It attracts a pull, a gravitational pull to more agents joining the team because they see what the team does for them. And that's when that push of recruiting turns into a natural gravitational pull to recruit. It's when team leaders let go and start boosting up their agents and they let go of their own ego. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch Brian's training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or find us on social media. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they're available.